Hello and welcome back to another episode of Talking Pack, the official sports podcast of the Nevada Sagebrush. I am your host, as usual, Derek Raritan, and with me is Dominic Gutierrez yet again. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm getting back into it. Yeah, I know. I'm doing all right. It was a fun break. I literally hibernated for like the first two weeks of break. <laughs> so I had a very relaxing break, and I'm very refreshed and ready for the next school year. I don't know about yourself, but uh, yeah, so how was your break, man? Yeah, it was good. I mean, just pretty casual. I mean, I'm here from Reno, so I didn't really have to go anywhere, which was nice. I mean, I know you had to go back to Vegas, but yeah, yeah for me, it was, you know, it was pretty nice just chilling, having a nice break, being with family, so. That's good. good. How was the snow? <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. I mean, at least it only snowed. Like, what, three days at most? Yeah, but the first storm was pretty bad it was very bad you couldn't see anything they did a terrible job at cleaning the roads so it was it was a pretty rough week that week that it snowed but it's gone now so hopefully it stays that way taking shots at the city my friend respect i like this version of you no but anyway yeah so apologies for being gone for a month and a half kind of just want to address that our last two weeks of school you know we're still students uh we're still people outside of you know journalist for the sagebrush it was it was a lot rough like i think both of us had a really harder semester especially towards the end of everything sadly we had to take two weeks off and we didn't post anything about that and then for anybody who didn't know i made the update just in case you know we did have that month off because school was out of session or at least the regular schooling was out of session so we took that month off and now we're back so ready to give you all the sports content and us talking junk about all things Nevada athletics. Well, actually, this episode's not really talking too much junk, thankfully. But yeah, so typically we would do a week in review, but we're going to kind of just jump into our commentary section because we have a lot of stuff to kind of cover and not one episode to shout everything out. So sadly, some things we'll have to wait till next week, but that's okay. First off, I do want to talk about Choate. So, obviously, our last episode was about Ken Wilson getting fired and what that meant for Nevada. Well, turns out three days after, like, you know, everything blows up with Ken Wilson, head coach Jeff Choate, well, now head coach Jeff Choate, who was the co-defensive coordinator for the University of Texas, shout out Longhorns, y'all were really good in that game versus Washington. Sadly, y'all didn't win, but it's whatever. Was hired. He only retained one person from the coaching staff after he came back and started really building out his program. That person being Virgil Green, who is the tight ends coach. Shout out him. He was also very vocal on Twitter about everything, which I very much liked. That was cool to see the coach's perspective. He, we make it him on. Sounds fun. Yeah, but to kind of recap what, or who, excuse me, Jeff Choate has chosen for his staff. This is gonna, I'm gonna butcher a couple names and I apologize in advance. <laughs> So first we have Payam Sadat. Sadat, right? Is that how you can I say that maybe? Uh, yeah. Sadat, yeah. And he is going to be filling in as the associate head coach and interior defensive lineman coach. We have Kane Ione, who is the defensive coordinator and safeties coach. We have Parker Henry, who is the special defense, special teams coordinator and linebackers coach. We have Brian Armstrong, the offensive line coach and run game coordinator. We have Mike Lynch, who is the interim offensive coordinator and running backs coach. Uh, interim, we'll get into in a second as to why he is. David Gilbertson, who is the interim quarterbacks and wide receivers coach. We have Joey Thomas, who is the pure just defensive defensive backs coach. We have James Price, who is the interim wide receivers coach. Who, however, he will transfer to being an offensive analyst for Nevada football once the position of wide receivers coach and offensive coordinator is filled, which we'll get into in a second. We have Jackie Smith, who is going to be the defensive ends coach, and we have Jason Los Calzo, who is the strength and conditioning coach. So you're allowed, I believe, if I remember correctly, 
each football staff is allowed 10 coaches plus a strength and conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Also, while the deal is not officially inked yet, it's been reported by Football Scoop that Matt Lubick, a senior analyst for the University of Kansas, is going to be the target for Nevada's offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach role. Sadly, nothing's there, so we have the current list of people so far. This staff is brand new. So Dom just kind of like you know, run some questions off of you. I, I know we both kind of been like half paying attention to everything with, you know, who they've been hiring and whatnot, but how do you think this staff will perform comparing Wilson's staff to Choate's staff? How do you think this is going to work out? I mean, I think the biggest thing and differences between the two staffs is from what I've seen, Choate's staff has a lot more experience than Wilson's staff. Wilson being, when he came in, he was the first-time head coach, and so was a lot of his staff. So it was fairly new, it was fairly fresh, and there was obviously a lot of learning curves that came in with that. Obviously, when it comes with Choate's staff, you obviously look for people who had experience in the position they're currently in and have filled those kind of roles and been successful with other programs. So I think that's just the biggest difference. He was obviously targeting people with experience and people who he knew that could build the program that he envisions building. Yeah. And even like the offensive and like the soon to be offensive analyst once they find a coordinator and uh, wide receivers and quarterbacks coach. Even him, he's been part he's a sen- he was a senior analyst over at or excuse me, no, the person who they're gonna fill in with that role, excuse me, Lubick, senior analyst for University of Kansas. And that's mainly and that's during their big offensive push that they had mainly against us too, so whatever. And also they smashed they smashed UNLV. So because of them. This staff, I was looking at it online, all of them have at least four years experience. You're completely right. This staff at least has a bit of experience, like you were saying. They have that little grit in the way too and a lot of them come from programs part of power five conferences well sadly now power four rip pack 12 or they were part of teams that made a lot of heads turn in their conferences like one of them i forget i forget exactly who it is i have to pull up the name again but one of them was a defensive coordinator for boise state when they won the championship this year the mountain west championship this year multiple coaches have experience in playoff conditions i have to i i would have to double check i think it's ione or uh, one of the other coordinators but one of them was part of Choate's staff when he was over at Montana State. You have all these different coaches with all these different types of caliber and, and true experience in high-pressure situations. I think this could be a really good staff, honestly. I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing what this team can put together. Yeah, cause I, and I just looked at the numbers for it, too, because it says Wilson's staff only had a combined 16 seasons of FBS experience, like as assistant experience, and Choate's staff has a combined... 50 seasons of Jesus. FBS assistant experience. So that, obviously you can tell the big difference. That is almost five, that's like what, four and a half almost? Four and yeah, a half and times about, almost? And like they even have, like it mentions there, the new strength and conditioning coach. Also, this is what was the floor. Yeah. He, I guess he had five seasons in the NFL with the Bears as their strength and conditioning coach. This is so, Jason I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Los Calzo you're talking about? Yeah. Jesus. So, so he knows how to prepare yeah, these guys. He knows how to get people, and he knows experienced people. So that's obviously the biggest difference between these two. Yeah. And I think it shows with how many transfers. Nevada lost key players. They lost like people like Jamal Bell, Deion Washington, Richard Tony Jr., and Isaiah Ezema, right? 
which I'm not gonna lie to you. Looking at his name, it looks like Mississippi a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Sorry, no disrespect. Sorry, Isaiah, but like the last name kind of looks a little bit like Mississippi. No, they quickly filled those roles and they landed 19 transfers. I think our program was like young, but a lot of our like older like starters were leaving. Either that me whether that be through, like transfers or graduating or whatnot, or they just lost eligibility, right? Yeah. But they they have 19 transfers as, as of today. The big one's gonna be at the end because obviously his last name means something right now. But like just to kind of list them off, and I apologize for the long list and I apologize if I'm butchering names there's at least two of them that I know I'm very much gonna butcher so but like we have running backs Patrick Garbo the third which that's literally his name Garbo I, I saw that I'm like huh okay fair enough but uh, he comes from Boston College and we got running back Jaden McGill from College of DuPage I believe is how you say it we got offensive lineman Spencer Lovell from Kansas. You know, he played there during their big run this past year, so that's really good for us. Tupuve Snoop. Uh, that's his nickname, Snoop, which I kind of, I'm going to call him Snoop from this point forward. Leota Amama. Amama. I think that's how you say his last name. Apologies in advance. I, I'm so sorry, sir. From Virginia. And we got Jacob Seth from Washington State. Then we got defensive edge Solomon Bambara. Yeah, Bambara from Buffalo. And defensive lineman Nelson Ropati from the City College of San Francisco. Uh, I'm saying interesting name. Don't worry. Uh, uh, we got defensive backs Katon Crawford from Texas, David Malinger from West Virginia, Nate Floyd from Texas Tech, and Keyshawn Cobb from West Virginia. We got linebackers Caden Johnson from Minnesota and Austin Harn Harnato. Harn Harnato. Yeah, that's like it's Cajun. Uh, Austin Harnato. It really is. It ends in AUX. That's how it works. <laughs> Harnato from Washington. We got long snapper Luca Rodarte. Yeah, yeah, Rodarte from Washington State. Now I will say Luca was getting looked at by Ken Wilson staff. So that's not just Choate kind of getting him, but yeah. still. We got wide receivers Cortez Braham from West Virginia and Darian Wiley from Louisiana Monroe. But we got Andrew Savanier from Florida. And then the uh, the big ones are at the end here. But we got quarterback Anthony Grigsby Jr. from the College of San Mateo. And Chubba Purdy just committed today from Nebraska. He originally was supposed to be at uh, San Jose State, but after a couple of coaching changes over there, as well as him coming over here and seeing what our program's all about, he decided to transfer to here instead. So, and I, Twitter was very happy and very upset at this, <laughs> to say the least, especially San Jose Twitter. That was not, they were not happy. <laughs> These are names. These are names, and most of these aren't just names from like schools. They're like, oh well, you know, they're uh, they're like, you know, like not named schools from D1 or maybe they're D2 or whatever. Like, what? Like, I'm, I'm looking at this right now: Boston College, Kansas, Virginia, Washington State, Buffalo, Te Texas, where Choke comes from. No, he was a defensive backs coach over there too. So, Keaton Crawford may be a dog this year. Uh, we have West Virginia again. We have Texas Tech. We have two West Virginia, excuse me. We got Texas Tech. We got Minnesota, Washington, and Washington State. We got Florida, and we got Nebraska. Th how many of these guys are coming from schools that are Power 5? It's crazy. It's crazy. And, of course, we can't just say, oh, my God, we have all these players that are going to be good because we saw that with, like, that professional teams. Season. Yeah. Like, no, no disrespect to Brendan Lewis, but he came from Colorado when they were 1-10. Yeah. That's kind of how it works. But, like, no, this is a team that, genuinely speaking – these are these are like name schools from programs that were doing pretty darn well. Yep. Now, of course, these guys, I don't know if they're the first string guys. They're just kind of getting cut or maybe they had someone come in that they committed or they transferred. That could have been like, oh, well, you know, we're doing this guy's like, you know, coming in. He's like a lot better. So they're going to be the first string and then they transfer over to here. But these are names of people. These are like name schools and players coming from name schools of programs that are competing day in and day out for a top 
25 spot, maybe even top 50 spot, depending on you know the school and what their what, what their range actually is. Right. But this is I like this. Of course, the Chopa Purdue thing is just today. So and today's January 22nd. Yeah, no, this is this is a tight knit squad. I like this. And it's just nice to see that. Definitely most excited for just now we see we have a pretty big quarterback room. Yeah, I think so we have six I'd... scholarship quarterbacks. Yeah, so obviously we still have Lewis and Bianco to buy knowledge. So, you know, throwing them in there with, you know, like these two transfers that we got. And it, it'll just be nice to see an actual, you know, it'll be a competition, you know. Because mm-hmm. I felt like last year going... We found that Lewis was transferring over. We kind of all already knew as soon as he came in that he was going to be the starter, just in terms yeah. of experience and all that stuff. Um, but obviously, well, with how he played last season, and obviously a completely new staff, it'll just be interesting to see, one, who wins that starting job out of the bank, and two, how they work under Choate's new you know, team and how the new offensive scheme works with all of them. So, Not to mention... I'm not too certain how many seniors or like graduates we have on the team. I'd have to pull the numbers and figure that out, but which I probably should have, but you know, whatever. But these are positions of players that were coming in here, supposedly gonna dominate, like you were saying, like Lewis. We were told, hey, he's a four star guy. Yeah. Three star, four star guy. He's gonna come in and do some work. And they did almost absolutely nothing. And then Bianco comes in. Both of them get hurt. We got Shane Illingsworth comes in. He gets kinda hurt during the last game, and I'm just like, dog. <laughs> like what are we supposed to do? And then we have we even have names like Sean Dollars, who was our running back this year. Shout out, Sean. Love you, buddy. Like, we have two running backs coming in. Of course, I don't know if he's graduating. I don't know if... Ashton Hayes. I don't know if he's graduating. I don't know if his injury put him on the sideline for a lot longer. I don't know if it's whatever. But we got two dudes who were coming in, and we're doing decently well, to say the least, for their positions that they were in. And now we have... Patrick Garbo III and Jaden McGill, uh, McGill coming in. They're substituting somewhere. We have offensive linemen who have experience. We have defensive backs and defensive players who are going to slot in beautifully considering the fact that we've had a lot of our defensive players enter the transfer portal and or to enter the transfer portal and leave. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. I have a lot of high hopes for this team. Now, of course... Do I say that every year? I'm very happy of the players we get. I like the names. I like where they're coming from. I like the prestige of where they're coming from. And I like, currently, relating back to Choate, I like the fact that this staff has so much experience that they, we can contend with these organizations that have the combined, you know, seasonal experience of, like, Nick Saban. <laughs> yeah. Which, shout out Nick Saban, he did retire. So, shout out to him. I hope you have an amazing time on this earth, not worrying about how many teams you have to beat that year to get into the playoff. <laughs> but, you know, it's whatever. But yeah, so no, this is like genuinely speaking, I like this. I like this program. I really like this program so far. Do we have, and we even have good commitments too so far, like younger players coming in, freshman players coming in that are going to be potentially competing for spots, whether they be third string, whether they be fourth string, whether they be second string, maybe even a starter, depending on who they are. I like this squad so far that they're building. I just think we have to keep up with them and see how the glue is coming together. Like see how much they're actually going to make a squad. Because if they can do that, I don't know if there's anything stopping us from being top four in the conference. Yeah. You know, like I think top four would be a realistic expectation considering our last two seasons. <laughs> so as long as there's more than two wins. This <laughs> as long as there's more than two wins, baby. Only more than two wins. Yeah. Bigger expectations coming into the season was the basketball team, specifically the men's team, but of course the women's team also has a little bit of prestige there too. So the men's and women's teams have both kind of swung how they've performed over the last couple of mo- uh, weeks. The men's the men's team won the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, beating Temple TCU and Georgia Tech by an average of 15 points per game to start the entire break. 
And then they open conference play against Fresno State and Air Force, winning both of them. However, in their last three games, the Wolfpack men have lost to Boise State, San Diego State, and Wyoming by an average of 8.3 points per game, so about 8 points a game. Note, the only team that's currently ranked on that squad uh, out of those three right now is San Diego State, I, I believe 24. I'd have to double. I, I think I'm correct on that one. Boise State's on the cusp, but Wyoming, ouch. They've lost 98-93 against Wyoming. Really high-scoring endeavor. Meanwhile, the women's team has basically done the opposite. The uh, pack lost both games in the Lady Bear Classic to Western Kentucky and BYU. Then the team opened conference play, losing to New Mexico and Air Force at home while beating Boise State on the road. But things turned around for the program starting on January 13th. The Wolfpack won three straight games since that day, beating San Jose State on the 13th, Utah State, and Fresno State. Three-game win streak, and the Fresno State game was against Claire Jacobs' sister, Mia Jacobs, who actually had a really good game. So shout out to Mia. Really good game, but Claire, I think, overall had a bigger presence on the court that day. I don't know if there's a little bias in that one, but who cares? (laughs) (laughs) But very good win against Fresno State this past Saturday. What do you think has caused this? Because let's be real here. The men's team was slated before coming into conference play as two or three wins away from being ranked. Mm -hmm. And two or three wins away from basically almost guaranteeing a spot in some way or fashion in the March Madness tournament. And now they're sitting here, three-game losing streak, for a multitude of different reasons that, we're, that you're probably going to cover yourself as well as me. But, like, they switched up so quickly. And then now the women's team is on an absolute tear. Momentum gained and, me- and momentum gained and retained, as I put it on my Twitter. Shout yeah. out my Twitter. You should go follow my Twitter. <laughs> At the Big Country 14. You know, why has this happened? Do we, like, is there, like, a reasoning why? Or is this, like, a momentum swing in the middle of the season? Like, what's been going on with them? I don't know. I feel like with the men, you know, they came in with conference play. And I feel like they have just been trying to do too much. They've been trying to play outside of the game that has helped them, you know, dominate the first half of their season and, you know, the out-of-conference schedule. Granted, obviously, the out-of-conference schedule wasn't crazy. But to go from beating Temple, TCU, and Georgia Tech back to back to back and then to come back and you know they're just a completely different team right now and you know we've talked about it off air about you know in the beginning of the season this team was really good when it came to the free throws you know drawing fouls to get onto the line you know really attacking the paint especially with guys like uh, Keenan Blackshear and just really being able to break through into the interior and then obviously their defense which has been you know which was really good at not only limiting turnovers but collecting plenty of rebounds you know in that first good half of the season and then you look at these past three games when they've lost and it's just been a complete turnaround the free throw is not being great the three-point shot was never really a strong point for this nevada team it was getting better as conference play was starting but it obviously is not it's been besides um trey coleman (laughs) he's really been the only one to mark down threes well, and Lucas um, a little bit, but not much. Yeah, well, and, you know, to go with that, too, between Lucas and Blackshear, they're arguably, you know, they're they're your top two guys, you know, on the team. Those two, you know, they haven't been performing the best in the past couple games. You know, I mean, I know Lucas has been, you know, he started off as not only our top three-point shooter, but our one of our best free-throw shooters, and, you know, recently he's been struggling to do both, so. And I, it's just been, I don't know if they're just trying too hard because they, you know, they see the opponents and it's, you know, conference playing now so it's different but just from watching the game it seems like it's the same pattern the opponent gets to a score early and then Nevada is just trying to play too much hero ball they take up big shots they
they miss, and then they don't get the rebound. Oh, yeah. And then even, you know, defensively, whoever their opponent is, you know, they'll take a shot and miss, but then they don't get the rebound. And then their opponent's getting three, four different tries at making the basket, and then eventually they do, you know? And, yeah, it's... The main thing I want to touch on that you kind of hit at the end was the rebounds. Yeah. Right? Offensive rebounds have been criminally overlooked by Nevada. They allowed 11 offensive rebounds against Boise State, 20 against San Diego State. They only gave up nine against Wyoming, which they actually like out-rebounded Wyoming in that category by a lot. They out-rebounded them by like eight. So good offensive rebounding in the last game, right? And overall, points-wise, Trey Coleman had 23 points in that game against Wyoming. So it wasn't as if Wyoming was bad offensively or anything in that sense. Now you look at defense. Right? Defense in the game against trying to see against Boise State, they allowed them to shoot 41%. Three-point shooting was really good, but then they also allowed 19 free throws in the second half, which ultimately caused their downfall because Boise State's a really physical team, as they saw. And now, like, even if they shoot free throws, they can't fully compete with that. Like, they had a worse shooting percentage or a free throw percentage in the second half and in the game overall because of their second half. That's how it was. Then against, uh, what's it called? Against San Diego State, you see free throws. The San Diego State Aztecs with 34 free, throw, free throws. Excuse me. Meanwhile, Nevada shot 17. I'm not calling home court advantage because Mountain West refs, I'm about to blow some hot That's air on this. Another, yeah, topic. yeah, but yeah, on a completely other unrelated note, Mountain West refs are just never really that good. Must be real here. I feel really bad for us because we were, or feel, feel bad for just Mountain West teams in general, not just, you know, Nevada, because you see these teams have, you know, refs and they, you know, call games pretty consistently. Mountain West refs let a team shoot on average 17 free throws in a half. They shot, San Diego State shot 18 in the first half against Nevada and then 16 in the second. Now, of course, should Nevada be knocking down their free throws a lot more? Yes. They shot 41% from the line. 41%. They shot 7 of 17. To put in perspective, there was a time where Jared Lucas didn't miss a free throw in the beginning of the season. That's all That's all I have to say. And they shot 0 for 10 from 3. They shot 23 threes against San Diego State. And they missed, what, 17 of them? It goes to your point against them not playing to their identity. They shot 28 threes against Wyoming in Laramie. They shot 20. They, they shot 12 of 22 from the strip. That was 45. Uh, excuse me, 54.4%. You, you, they make five free throws. They make their average of free throws, and they're playing overtime if not winning. It's obscene. Because in one game, it's offensive rebounds, which is defense. So defensive. It's defensive rebounds. The other games, it's not playing on them enough. Like, they let Wyoming shoot 57.69% on us in both halves. 57.69 in both halves. Literally the exact same. It's 15 to 26 for both halves. They shot 56% from the three, Wyoming did, in the game overall. And they shot 25 or 35 from free throws. Also, may I add, I was really pissed off about this. In with the Wyoming game, there was a combined 57 free throws attempted 57 free throws attempted note people get on james harden for shooting like 20 free throws a game right. in the nba or Giannis, or any of these physical players like like russ or anything in that sense they, they go they get on them for shooting that many free throws meanwhile the mountain west conference is allowing their refs to let people shoot 57 free throws in a single game like okay i'm not gonna get on the refs but the nevada men's team has been horrible say at least and it's always in excuse me not horrible they've been horrible at one thing for the last three games whether that be offensive rebounds, whether that be defense, whether that be free throws just in general, right? They've been awful in one thing, and the hero ball is too. You watch Nevada games, you see Keenan Blackshear taking shots that, in no disrespect to him, he if he does well enough, he can get drafted. 
you know, he, there's still that chance, but he has no business taking these shots. They're just jacked up shots, like you said. Jared, like, people are passing up easy threes and easy, like, little, like, you know, mid-range shots to pass to other people or to just go baseline. And it's, like, it's annoying. Like, why are you passing up easy shots when, all like, you have an opportunity to score more? And Coach Alfred said they're losing their identity. They're not playing to their identity. And they need to get back to that ASAP. Otherwise, like, even Chris Murray um, on his Twitter said today, shout out Chris Murray, Nevada's margin of error is now gone. You have to beat these ranked teams. You have to beat San Diego State at home. You have to beat Colorado State both times you play them. You have to beat Utah State at least once. And depending on how New Mexico, I think New Mexico is ranked 25th, you have to beat New Mexico. And that's the next two teams that we play. Colorado State. Yeah. This Wednesday, we play Colorado State at home. And then the following Sunday, it's New Mexico on the road. So we have to beat, like, genuinely speaking, to give us another, like, game or two buffer to even make the first four again, we need to beat these ranked teams in our conference. And if we don't, I don't think Nevada makes it anymore. No, I was a big proponent chirping on my Twitter saying that these guys are a win or two away from being ranked, let alone in the March Madness tournament. Before conference play, depending on what um, site you use, there was an 85 or higher percent chance of Nevada making the March Madness tournament. And now all of a sudden, all the hopes are basically gone because they lost three games in horrible fashion. Because the Mountain West could have anywhere from, you know, there's a chance of them having, you know, if Nevada made it, they could have six teams going to the Realistically, Mountain yeah. Tournament, you know, like that's, you know, half the damn conference, conference, you know, is, you know, or have their sights on March Madness. So it's... It's a hell of a lot bigger of a deal than it was even, like, say, last season when, you know, obviously you saw San Diego State take the big run, you know, but besides that, it was, you know, it wasn't as strong for sure as it is right now. No. So Nevada, and it sucks because this is definitely, during the Alford era, this is definitely Nevada's strongest team on paper and, yeah. you know, deepest team. But obviously, like you said, because they're, now they're two and three in the conference, you know, they have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six teams ahead of them. Uh, in the standings in terms of because obviously it goes off a conference record like right now we're tied in the conference with UNLV yeah and their overall record is 9-8 yeah and we're 15-4 and like genuinely I'm so upset because this team was one of two teams that were 15-1 first it was us in Utah State and you'll think about it we're Nevada's we're a pretty old team like a lot of our guy Blackshear Lucas who else? You know, our KJ. Yeah, there's a lot of we have a lot of guys who aren't going to be on the team next year, or at least projected not to be on the team because of how old they are. Yeah. So I would say, really, really, like this is probably the last year I'd say that you're gonna, especially with this core, that's gonna have a chance to go deep in the tournament. Yeah. Because next year it's gonna be a really different team, and it's probably unless they just go out of the water with some transfers, like it's probably gonna be one of those kind of a retooling years where it's yeah it goes down for a second and then it has to build back up which alfred could alfred's a good coach so it's not as if he can't do it but it's obviously yeah it's gonna take time yeah you know and i i always harp on the fact that like football was good and basketball was kind of mid yeah when uh like two three years ago when we were freshmen now it's basketball is like pretty damn good Mm -hmm. like women's team is competing for a 500 record i think that like that and more is there like should be their objective We'll get to women's in a second, but meanwhile, the men's team is aiming for the March Madness tournament. Now, all of a sudden, it's you look at everything we talked about with football earlier, and it's like this team now looks like it could, if it glues together correctly, is going to be great. Meanwhile, next season, 
men's basketball has almost nothing. Women's basketball has a couple of players still sticking around. I know Izzy Sullivan, who's gotten, you know, freshman of the week a couple times this season. Uh, shout out Izzy Sullivan. You've been doing great. You know, Claire Jick has been doing good. Audrey Roden's been kicking ass. Pardon. Uh, so, like, I, I forgot that we don't curse on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but it's like we have, like, it's always one team that you would expect, like, oh, well, it's going to be good. That kind of dips after a while, and then it just kind of falls into irrelevancy. And I don't want the men's team to do that because once we start falling out of, you know, relevancy, that puts Alfred's position, like his job, in jeopardy. And God forbid we lose Coach Alfred. <laughs> That'd be a horrible thing, personally. So, but yeah, and then, like, the women's team. I shout out all those players. They've been doing great. They're now, I, like I, again, like I said, they, they just got above 500. They've been competing against teams that, overall sake, they've been doing, like, are pretty damn good teams. Like, San Jose State's pretty good, I will say. Utah State, we crushed. So, two weeks in a round. Like, that, it was 80, 89 to 44. Like, ow. <laughs> Y'all did not have to do that, but it's okay. And then they beat Fresno State, which Fresno State was right above us in the middle of the Mountain West. Yep. Now we're sitting top five. The only teams above us in the Mountain West are New Mexico, Boise State, Wyoming, and UNLV. UNLV is going to be a powerhouse regardless. But no, like the Fresno State is the only other team that's ten and nine and in the top of the conference. Every other team is like lower besides San Diego State. They're eleven and eight. This team has a lot going for it right now. Damn, Utah State is on a twelve-game losing streak. <laughs> My lord, <laughs> never. Yeah, now I see why we smacked them. My bad. No, and they got what? Which teams they got coming up right now? They got Colorado State, which is right below us. So it's another, like, you know, seeded battle. Five, It's a 5-6 seed battle. We have UNLV, which, ow. I'm going to go to the, I'm, I'm hoping to go to the UNLV game, but ow. Yeah. That's going to hurt. Then we got Utah State again at home. So it's, and that's going to be the, damn, that's the 150th anniversary celebration game. Nice. And then we're playing at Wyoming, which Wyoming is the second best team. So we have a rough patch of games coming up. And this is, again, this is what I put it, again, I keep on saying put on my Twitter, but that's because how we, that's how we communicate sports for like a month. Yeah. But I put this on my Twitter for the men's team that the last three games plus this next game against Colorado State is going to be proving ground games. This next four games for the women's team are going to be proving ground games, but they have the momentum. So I think if they can keep that and push their players to do good, push Roden, push Jacobs, push Izzy Sullivan to get the, to get into good positions and to, and to produce great performances, this is going to be a team that is going to be deadly and could compete with some, some of the top teams in our conference. Yeah. But you have to be realistic about it. There's a good chance that it also isn't. They've been inconsistent this entire season. We just got to see how they perform. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this women's team does, especially if the men's team has to pull their head out of their butt. Because <laughs> if they don't, oh boy, I'm going to be repping some Claire Jacobs, Audrey Roden gear from the NIL store. Shout out the NIL store. They don't, Y'all don't have my size. <laughs> I need y'all to get my size, man. Give me a 5XL, bro. I'm too fat for this. <laughs> God dang it. All right. Well, so sadly, we don't have enough time to cover everything else. However, we do have a few more things that I want to shout out real quick. Um, so before we sign off, I just want to say the women's volleyball team hired Shannon Hunt as their new head coach. We'll cover that a little bit more next week just to kind of, you know, give us a little bit of time to prepare and prep and all their stuff. Also, the women's swim and dive team, the women's, uh, the tennis team, excuse me, the indoor track and field teams, and the ski teams all opened their seasons over break. They already competed in a couple of events. Mm-hmm. I know the uh, swim team is currently one and one. They beat New Mexico on their senior night, and then they lost to UNLV. So I know of those scores at least. I don't know about the rest of the scores, sadly. But shout out to all those teams. We're gonna be covering y'all as the, as the season goes on. Shout out to the women's tennis team because y'all are the first one to follow us on Instagram, <laughs> which I that, that's amazing. I love y'all. Thank you for that. 
Thank you so much for listening. This is the season 1.5, episode 1 of Talking Pack. I am your host, Derek Raritan, and with me is Dominic Gutierrez yet again. Make sure to follow us on our socials. We will be posting this semester, I promise you. It's going to be on Instagram and Twitter and or X, depending on what you call it. TikTok coming soon, as usual. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Long episode, but thank you for sticking with us. And I hope you have a great week as well as a great semester because this is the first day of the new semester. So thank you so much and have a great one, everybody. See ya.